Welcome back to Let Me Be Brief. I'm your co-host, Andy Rieger of Jay Rieger & Co., joined as always by Matt Basinger of SwellSpark. Today's episode is brought to you by M-Prize Bank, member FDIC, here to help you reach your business goals. And as always, we are in the Let It Fly Media Studios. Thank you, as always, for having us today, Let It Fly folks. Today, we have an awesome guest, Jonathan Cole of Pendulum Studio. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Jonathan, let's let's start with the most basic question. What is Pendulum Studio? What do you do? We are architects, designers, curators of cool stuff. That's the short version. I love it. So let's get more specific with that because architects and designers can be in all sorts of different worlds. Okay. What world do you play ball in? Do you see what I did there? I see what you did there. We design sports facilities. Terrible. It wasn't even on purpose. But. We design sports facilities, primarily baseball stadiums. Um, but, you know, we're making strides in other areas right now. You know, we've got the 31st and Truce Project, Truce Village, mm -hmm. 500,000 square feet of mixed-use development in the urban core. So it's uh, east side Kansas City. So it's a renaissance over there. How, how does an architect get hired? How do you <sighs> get clients, customers, projects? The best way to get customers and, and projects is uh, relationships, really. I mean, you can respond to an RFP, request for proposal, request, request for qualifications, go through all the rigmarole, the formal stuff, but really the best way is word of mouth, you know, referrals from your clients. So let's back up a little bit. You started Pendulum Studio in what year? 2007. All right, and then before that, what were you doing? Like, how did you get, one, into Kansas City? Two, how did you decide to get kind of into this sports design uh, stage? Tell us a little bit more about your background, where you came from. Cool. I'll give you the short story. All right. It's let me be brief. So that's great. <clears throat> awesome. So uh, growing up in California, started working for HNTB in Irvine right out of college. Uh, they do sports. I mean, HNTB is the granddaddy of all sports firms based here in Kansas City, but they had a Western division okay. in Irvine. So I went and worked in Irvine. I worked on like some juvenile detention center for six months. And then my manager said, you're going to go out to Oakland. You're going to work on the Oakland A's project, the Oakland Coliseum for the Raiders as well. Then I did the arena project, and then my boss said, you know what? You need to move to Kansas City and do baseball stadiums. So huh. I said, I'm, let's go. Yeah. That was 99. And, th and that was with HNTB, and you with came to their office in Kansas City, and yep. that's the true trajectory. Worked there till 2001, then went to HOK Sport, which is officially now Populous. Okay. Uh, worked there till 2006. Uh, went 2006 to 2007 to 360, which is now HOK. See how weird that is? Yep. <laughs> and then You're I, the only common link. <laughs> right, right. And then I started a, p a Pendulum in 2007. So, okay. so what was that life event that got you to say, you know what, I've worked for enough companies, time to go be an entrepreneur and do this myself. And what was sort of the backbone of the decision to which you sort of looked at it and said, I want to go out on my own because of I think we can be better at X, mm. Y, or Z? It's not necessarily better. It's just you know, servicing your clients. It's nurturing those relationships. So when you've got 20 years of my mentor, who was uh, Henry Stickney, he owned Mandalay Baseball. He was the CEO of Mandalay Baseball Properties. Dayton, Ohio, Dayton Dragons, if you look them up, they've got the most consecutive sellouts in sports history. I mean, hmm. all teams. I was the young guy who designed their facility. I traveled oh, wow. 200,000 miles a year with this guy. He taught me everything I know about the sports game. Not design, but how you apply business methodology to design. So we're performa-based designers. So that was really, it's not about necessarily building a better toaster, but it was about applying 
everything that I've learned from my mentors to what we do. So, you know, I always tell young people when they say, how do you know when it's time to start your own firm? Well, it's when you can no longer stomach the decisions your boss makes in your behalf, right? So for me, it was either I could go down a path of project management or I could go down a path of continuing to nurture my relationships with people that I know in the business. And sports, you don't get to just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to design a stadium. You have to be invited into the game. Sure. And so my mentor invited me in, started vouching for me with a lot of his friends because it's a... I hate to say it, but it's kind of like a mafia, right? Yeah. Everybody knows each other, and, you know, you get invited in, and so those relationships start to work. So we started working for the Red Sox. We started working for the Braves. Braves, I've worked for them for 20 years. Wow. This, um, is, this is with your company, not when well, you were working? Previously, previously working on, I think I designed Trustmark Park when I was at uh, Populous for the Braves. But Chip Moore, who was their former CFO, that's the guy that I had the relationship with. And so now, as I founded my own company, he's like, hey, Jonathan, I want you to work on the Rome Braves renovation. Or, hey, Jonathan, I want you to design our new um, spring training facility in Northport, Florida. That's what we did. Mm. So that was 2019. We opened their $125 million spring training facility. That's a huge honor for us. So, oh, sorry. <clears throat> I got questions too, Andy. Come on, man. man. I'm so excited. <laughs> so for sport, for a lot of folks, for sport, like for Andy for sports, it's a very – one, it's like it's a very sexy industry for a lot sure. of folks. And two, like there is there's a nostalgia piece, there's a familial piece, there's a lot of just like guttural, like this is my team. Yep. But sports as a business is very different where sometimes you're you're helping design facilities for rival teams or rival organizations or rival cities. Um, what is it like for you to kind of balance, all right, I have these teams that I love to watch because my favorite player or star or whatever, or that's the that was my childhood team, and like coupled with I'm going to design this other stadium because I want this other city to thrive for these reasons. Like, how, how do you manage all that? It's all about, to me, it's about the fan. When you're designing sports facilities, it's about the experience that the fan gets while they're there. So it's less about really the team, mm -hmm. more so because when you think about it specifically like minor league baseball, most nobody stats anymore. Nobody sits in the stands and they're like, okay, you know, this guy, you know, it's – everybody's there to be entertained. Sure. And so we're designing new experiences and creating trends that push the boundaries of basically driving demand. That's mm -hmm. the whole Hank Stickney MO for how do you get people in the seats? You create demand. So right? do you plant, every time you design a stadium, do you plant like a, a Chiefs flag somewhere or a Sporting KC flag <laughs> or a Royals flag like in a cinder block somewhere just as like your signature move? That well, I, I wear about? I wear their gear to these places and I represent for sure. But what I do do is I like to say that I design honeycomb hideouts. I, hide, I design little spaces that only I know about that I can go hang out in later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so well, one of the most interesting things that I've seen in the sports architectural world recently is, and, and this is another small Kansas City architecture firm mm -hmm. um, that got the contract for designing the Raiders Stadium. Mm -hmm. And this big, massive stadium, and it was kind of this crazy moment where, to an outsider, you saw it and you were like, I would assume that massive stadiums like that would go to only the massive firms and they wouldn't even be open. Did that sort of signal and trigger to you like, yeah, we're doing this the right way because even these big projects they're really just wanting a more customized experience where they are the focus, not you are just one of many focuses. Right. Well, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I see us as market challengers. 
So there's the large firms that are dominant in the marketplace. They have to win. We're market challengers where we're going to challenge the market by being scrappy, by pushing the envelope, by coming up and with interesting ideas and taking chances and, and challenging the market. Um, so does that create an interesting opportunity for us? Sure. The reality is it really creates some freedoms for us because we don't have to win every project. Mm-hmm. We want to, sure, but that's not realistic. So for us, it's really getting with the right client. I mean, the clients that, I mean, we've had a string of amazing clients. I mean, the Braves have been great clients. Sure. You know, there's a, what we call the Braves way. When you work with the Braves, they're not going to do anything at the bottom of the barrel. They have a way and a methodology that they do things. And I appreciate that. And I think learning that process has helped us to be successful in other markets as well. So how does it, not to say how does it make sense, but you work with these organizations all over the country. You're based here in Kansas City. Is there a value add to being centrally located in the U.S.? Like why, what makes Kansas City a special place to be for your industry? One, it's a, pl- a great place to raise a family. But two, again, this is the birthplace of sports architecture as a dedicated marketplace. Mm. So when you think about how we got there, the, you know, the Truman Sports Complex, the guys started working on that project there and then decided that, hey, let's let's just make sports architecture a dedicated market segment. Yeah. We're only going to pursue sport. And people are like, you're crazy. But it's worked, right? Mm-hmm. Now, all of these firms that have popped out of, you know, the, the grandfather or the granddaddy firms, they're still doing really well. And yeah. everybody recognizes Kansas City is the place you've got to come to. You've got to go through Kansas City to get the work. Yeah. Um, you mentioned something about how you don't get all of the wins, but you would love all the wins. Mm-hmm. What is the biggest <clears throat> loss that you have had in terms of a deal that you were the most passionate about, that you were the most excited about, that you were essentially the most devastated by the fact that you didn't get to be the one to work on it? As a firm, not when you mm-hmm. were working for mm-hmm. other people, but with your company in general. I hated losing the Worcester Project. And the, the Woo Sox, the Red Sox moved out of Pawtucket, Rhode Island. They moved to Worcester, Massachusetts, and I really hated not getting that project. Why? Uh, we had history with the Red Sox t- to, for some de- to some degree. Um, it's a signature project. I mean, it's, it, I think that project, that whole development is going to really kind of transform baseball in that area. So I think it's a huge opportunity for, you know, when you think about your legacy, when you think about projects that you work on, that once they're built, people look back to them and say, hey, remember that project? It's kind of like Camden Yards in 92 that changed the game for yep. baseball, right? You know, you went from, uh, you know, columns in the middle of the stands and sightline obstructions to this clean, you know, experiential ballpark and yep. then now come to what, 2018 or 19? Then you had the battery for the Braves, uh, mm-hmm. Truist Park now in Cobb County, uh, Atlanta. That's the new Camden Yards, in my opinion. Hmm. So, what's the next thing? Yeah. What's the next destination that's going to be that next move? That's so what let, I'm looking for. Let's talk about the next destination, next sure. move. You guys made some headlines recently. You put out. And it wasn't even an RFP necessarily. It was you just you just put out designs for a new Royal Stadium here mm-hmm. in Kansas City. Statement, right? Um, yeah, and <laughs> I mean, a bold move, right? Like, right. what inspired you to do that? Um, my understanding, right, is there's not certainty that the Kansas City Royals are going to move necessarily. There's a lot of folks who want it and talk about it. They don't know where we would go, but you just went ahead and said, 
this is what this is what should happen, and yeah. this is why, and this is how. So walk through that, please. So I challenge my staff all the time. I've got an incredible staff. We're in the office, and I go on my daily rant about what we should be doing and what we, you know, <laughs> rah, rah, six, boom, ba. And uh, I think one time one of my smart aleck guys, one of my more smart aleck guys. Do you guys, want to name that person sure, specifically? Sure, Will Shadwick. <laughs> <laughs> was like, well, I don't know. Why don't we do something? So I was like, are you challenging me? Really? Okay. So, you know, we were the master arc, uh, master planning architect for uh, Swope Community Builders mm-hmm. um, for the whole East Village you know, development. And at that time we were challenged to do GSA. And so we had all the information. And as we looked at around the city, we're like, you know what, that would be a great place. If you were going to do it, what would you do? I've seen some renderings of things that people had done. And I was like, Hey, you know, I know that as a small firm that, you know, we're building our brand and and working to get on the map. Nobody's looking at us and saying, Hey, if you're going to get somebody to design to design it, you should hire them. So I said, let's make a statement. So we spent the house money and we went after it. And, you know, it's not sanctioned. The Royals didn't come to us and say, hey, what do you think? But, you know, we decided to drop it. You know, we had sat on it for six months. I, you know, we had had it in the office and, you know, for our own personal enjoyment, we're spinning it around. I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. Yeah. So we did it. Is that is that something that you feel in the event that an RFP actually comes out and they look at it that you get additional extra credit towards winning the RFP because you helped drive the actual debate and bring it to a real reality to occur? Or is that something that you feel that they will give nothing other than thanks for bringing this to our attention? No, I I would gather that we probably made a lot of people upset that we had the audacity to do it, which I like that. You know, again, that's the, that's the calling card of a market challenger. You know, you can't deny that we know what we're talking about when sure. we did it, right? So for me, you know, if an RFP comes out, you know, the process, you know, we did this in a vacuum without, in our own bubble, without having any involvement from a client. I mean, the first step in, in architecture is you engage your client and you get feedback on what they want. Yeah. So, we, you know, we didn't have that luxury. So I would love the opportunity to get to that point. Yeah. But in the meantime... You know, we've got something pretty amazing, I think. So when you look at other stadiums that you've had the opportunity to work on or research, um, and we talk about a Royals stadium, you know, coming, what are the things that you have seen that really make uh, a ballpark complex amazing? Outside, I mean, obviously, everything has a baseball field, but, like, what are the other things that, that set things apart? I think connectivity. I think walkability. I read an article, I think it was called The Torontoist in 2016, that talked about top five um, walkable stadiums, and I can't remember the the ones, and then the bottom five, and Kaufman was in, like, the bottom five. Mm. So I think that connectivity to, yeah. you know, pedestrian activity, walkability, making it something that's 365, I think, is what most people want. Look at the battery in Atlanta. You know, mm-hmm. I keep mentioning it, but I think it's pretty amazing that – it's less about the ballpark itself and more about everything else. And I've been there, you know, a handful of times and the energy's always right. Yeah. That's what we love about, I mean, it's that emotional muscle memory is what I call it. Yeah. It's like the reason that we probably all love certain facilities is because of not necessarily the facility, but the memories that we have. Like I love mm-hmm. Dodger Stadium, but it's because I went to games with my dad. Sure. You know, and that you know, as soon as you go there, it sparks those memories, and you're like, oh, yeah. And yeah. you want that for your kids, or you yeah. want that for 
anybody that goes with you. All of my sporting event memories are all based on places I've been with people that we've had a blast or the energy was great, like playoffs, sure. know, going out to uh, Oklahoma and seeing the Lakers going to the playoffs against the Thunder. Yeah. The, the atmosphere was electric. Sure. You know, that's cool. So back to a business standpoint, I mean, how, how is business? Are you guys growing? Um, you know, obviously we're coming off of a strange year in, yep. in many industries. And so um, what does, you know, what does the future hold for you guys? What are you working on? We're leaving here and we'll have an interview today. So we've been actively looking at new team members to add. You know, I think we'll probably add two. How many folks are on your team now? We're eight now. Wow. So we'll, I think by the end of next week, we'll be 10. Wow. And do these people have specialties in sports or non-sports? And you're trying to sort of have a more, like you talked about the Truce Project. I mean, yeah. is that sort of a direction that you're like, you know what, let's have this vertical really strong as well. How do you interview people? We're looking for Renaissance people. We're looking for people, you know, we're looking for architects. Architects can do a little bit of everything. You might be excel at design. You might excel at, you know, other things, but we're looking for people to fit into the culture first and foremost, because yeah. we work so closely together. I think what we learned from COVID is working apart is really difficult because we are so collaborative and interactive. So, you know, every couple hours I get up and I bug the crap out of everybody because I go to their desk. And I'm like, hey, what are you working on? And I pick on them. And like my friend Will, you know, yep. he's like, leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's the game. Sure. Um, that's part of being a working principal and being interactive with our yeah. with our clients. And, and something I didn't ask earlier, and we got to start wrapping up just because otherwise it's it's not going to be brief anymore. It's just long conversations. Do you, I mean, there's a whole slew of other things that you do in addition to sports, right? Yep. Do you work, like, if Bladen Timber says, hey, we want to go open in Dallas, do we come talk to you? Are we too small for you? Like, nope. what's the... No one's too small. I mean, think about this. We just designed a, a in a still stadium, but we designed a stadium in North Carolina as a gift to them, because I always do gifts to my clients, we styled and customized a Nike Dunk. We did 16 pairs of Dunks custom with their logos and everything on them. We did varsity jackets for them, and we sent them out as a gift. Oh, now wow. they're like, hey, would you be interested in doing our merch? Wow. Absolutely. So, you know, we're diversifying to more of a lifestyle brand than architecture. Sure. You know, we love motorsports. We love cars. We love motorcycles. You come to our office, you'll see all that stuff is sprinkled and without we like art, we like fashion. I think that's what people are motivated by now. Mm -hmm. I think this new era of individual in the 30, 40 somethings is they like to be, you know, around culture. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we can talk about that more another time. And I know you have a busy day ahead of you, but just to wrap things up, question I love to ask is, and this is more personal life, right? But what is the coolest thing that you've done? And you can't say getting married or having a kid, no. like a, an experience that you have had, be it sports related or otherwise. Uh, travel is a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. We were in New Zealand two Novembers ago. Um, I jumped off of this cliff that was like 30 feet in the air. And, you know, it's like 30 feet doesn't seem that high until you're reentering the atmosphere <laughs> at the speed of light and hitting a, a body of water, you know, and I'm not the smallest person in the world. So, yeah, that was cool, but I don't know that I'd do it again. Yeah. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your ring? I just have to ask. So everyone, he, he's, that, got, he's got a really big sports-looking ring on his finger. So we're inspired by sport. I mean, it's the work that we primarily do. So I decided that you know one of our kind of you know group things is anybody that works with us five years or more gets a ring. 
So I've been here 14 years. I have two. <laughs> Coming up on the th- you're going to have a right, fistful of rings right, at some point. Right. So, Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for spending time with us today, sharing your story. We wish you the best of luck, and, uh, and thanks for being a part of Let Me Be Brief. Thank you for having me.